You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode in the Trowers and Hamlins and Knight Frank podcast series. Today, we're going to be talking about the future of flexible office space. I'm Yvette Bryan. I'm a partner in the real estate team at Trowers and Hamlins. And with us today, we have Amanda Lim, who runs the Flexible Office Solutions team at Knight Frank, and James Nicholson, also at Knight Frank, who's a partner in the London offices team. Obviously, flexible offices and service offices aren't a new concept. They became very much in vogue as a buzzword in 2018 when WeWork were busy buying every property in town. And at the moment, during the pandemic, flexible workspace is very much on everybody's mind, both in terms of the physical space and also how we're working. Um, So it's a very good time, I think, to regroup on how we're seeing the market behaving and notable trends. So over to you, Amanda. Thank you, Yvette, um, for that introduction. So I think why are flexible office solutions so attractive at the moment to occupiers? I actually do believe that the attraction to it is not just purely based on the flexibility um, of the term, of the space that you could acquire, or the entrance to the to the space, i.e. it's plug and play, you're ready to go all the time. I think there's a lot more to it um, that comes into play when you talk about flexible office space. Especially right now, um, I think COVID has accelerated the demand for flexible workspace whilst companies are trying to work out what they want to do internally with their staff in terms of returning to work and working from home. There is a huge positive trend that's coming for companies to look at having a hub spot for people to work in, but also multiple other locations for them to work from. So a kind of hub and spoke solution you think will be becoming more prevalent once we're all being able to get back into the office a little bit more? I think for the the foreseeable future at the moment, whilst what's happening in the background is still happening, that is definitely crucial. Nobody really knows how they're going to work moving forward. I think if if you ask every occupier out there, they are trying to work out what is the happy medium between working from home and working from an office. And it's interesting that actually, you know, all of us, we're at home now, um, although you guys are in the office thinking about it, but mostly at home. Um, and and every organisation is having to go through this, um, you know, re-strategizing around how they're going to be working in future and, and physically where. There's a traditional stereotypical view of service offices and co-working space being filled with startups and small businesses or highly collaborative industries who want dynamic space in tech and media. Um, But even before the pandemic, major corporates were looking at effectively using the offering that flexible services could could service service office providers could provide so there's been a a, a trend of evolution there and James from your perspective how would you describe that evolution from I suppose you know pre-WeWork to WeWork revolution to where we are today where we effectively start with a blank canvas again How how do you see it progressing and how has it got here? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question because, I mean, your sort of upfront introduction suggested that serviced offices and flexible office space only really came to the fore in 2018. And I think, you know, if we do cast our minds back to where we started to see the trend emerge, I think it was much earlier than that. I would, I would say 2014. And at that time, you're quite right to say, I think the serviced office and co-working uh, providers were really targeting those businesses who couldn't justify taking their own office space uh, and fitting it out for themselves. And as Amanda said, you know, benefiting from the clear benefits of having a space that's ready to go and step into from the word go. The evolution of that over the years from 2014 um, to 2016, 2017 was, as you say, to see a, a much larger focus from the providers to cater to businesses that were growing within those spaces who wanted to increase the number of desks that they have. So that naturally increased the provision of larger private offices within those serviced office spaces, but also a trend for businesses who perhaps weren't the original target for serviced and co-working spaces. You know, those larger corporates or more established businesses who started to say, well, hold on a second, there's something to this. Actually, there's, 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 there's justification for us taking a lease on our core space, but actually there's a great deal of benefit in us being able to use flex space for project teams or innovation teams who perhaps were working on a much shorter time horizon in terms of what they could be certain to require. So flex space really um, dealt with that need much better than to, to commit to a longer term lease for those kind of functions. So we've gone from a fairly specific customer occupier clientele to it being seen as um you know quite quite a trendy and innovative collaboration space to to actually it now becoming a little bit more mainstream in concept yeah i think that's that's right and um i mean if you look back to pre-covid times and indeed when we work were uh going through the process of the ipo one of the clear statements in their documents that supported that IPO was to say that 30% of their centres was occupied by what they call enterprise customers, which were businesses with over a thousand person headcount. So I think that's a real indication of the direction of travel and indeed what they foresaw as uh, the growth in the sector. I also do think like the evolution of workspace has changed so much in terms of the look and feel of, and the quality of space that's being provided and put in, on the market. So what you used to have in 2014 when, you know, the, the buzz start coming in was your typical Regis stock, you know, because everyone knew mm. what it was. It was sort of little rooms, desks, chairs, your traditional service office. Then WeWork came into the market and... I do think if they, they did make a bit bang into entrance into the market in the sense of they created a really cool and trendy workspace where innovation teams of big firms wanted to work in. They didn't want to sit in a tall high rise building like the other employees of their firm, but they needed somewhere that was a little bit buzzier and had the right atmosphere for them to work in. So that, that has changed a lot, I think, in the last five to six years. Yeah, when you look at the, the role of uh, people who work in the innovation space, of course, so much of innovation is about collaboration and sharing ideas. And that, that doesn't just 
limit you to sharing ideas amongst your immediate co-workers, but also tapping into the ideas and trends that are much more apparent when you share ideas in a wider group and community. So community has been uh, certainly a, a large part of the focus of providers to create, as I say, a, a group of people who have similar interests and can benefit from sharing ideas amongst each other. Yeah, well, I quite like the idea of going back to a, an office which is buzzy and full of innovative thinking. So I'm on board. And it's it's interesting that at the at the time that this evolution has been happening, which, as you say, was was starting um, and has accelerated quite quickly well before the pandemic. And you can't have a podcast these days without having to mention the C word at some point. Um, but Amanda, how have you found um, from your flexible office solutions perspective what the impact of covid has had on occupier demand and how the flexible office providers have been responding to that during lockdown and and the you know the current current restrictions i think at the start of lockdown it is safe to say um demand was an oversell on that word there was not very much of it and and in fact we were trying to help most clients of ours look at you know, what ways we could help them with in terms of cost savings. But I think as time has gone by now, it's been, what, six, seven months since we went into lockdown. It has changed quite a lot in this six, seven months. The type of occupiers looking for space, I mean, it used to be majority startups, SMEs, but suddenly global corporates are now very interested in looking at taking flexible workspace. But again, back to my point previously of Nobody knows how to plan for the next five to 10 years. Nobody even really knows what's happening in the next six months. We've had a client who took out, you know, had the lease coming up. So they decided to expire and then take half a space in a serviced office for 18 months whilst, you know, they figure out how to work with the current situation. And our providers are being very flexible. You have anything from COVID clauses being put in place so that should there be another local um, lockdown, some even offer the option for you to just rip the contract up if a lockdown happens. If not, then it's some sort of rent deferment or discounts that you can pre-agree on. So I think everyone's having to be way more flexible um, with what they're offering and things like day day rental. There's now day rentals for office space if you if you need it in office for a day. Just, just just to build on that a little bit, I mean I think you know the disruption of the flex market on the conventional market was well underway uh, before COVID, but the the COVID impact on the market as a whole has been, as Amanda says, to place a far greater emphasis on having more flexible solutions. And from a conventional landlord perspective, what's that, what that has meant is that they are also having to address this change in occupier demand and, and change in market dynamics. So what we've started to see is more and more landlords considering how to effectively bridge that gap between what was the serviced office or co-working offering and the conventional lease. And um, for landlords, really, they've, they've had a few choices, um, one of which was to lease space to a serviced or co-working provider, uh, which was one way of getting flexible office solutions into their buildings. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, some of the 
uh, more forward-thinking landlords um, who are prepared to sort of really throw themselves into the flex market have actually set up some of their own solutions. So you've got British Land with Story and Land Securities with Mayo. And then there's another group of landlords now who, again, recognise the disruption and realise that they need to, to act, who are increasingly looking at who they can partner with from the operator spectrum, this is the serviced office operator spectrum, and partner with them to deliver a solution that, um, again, is a hybrid and bridges that gap between serviced uh, and conventional. So one of the, the challenges for traditional investors who want to make the leap into running their own flexible space um, I mean, as you say, some of the big guys have gone into it with both feet and have set up their own platforms. But in, in terms of the partnering side, um, the the asset management volume and the requirement to be perhaps a little more commoditized with the product that's being offered rather than being able to you know, take the leisurely or slightly more leisurely time that you might have to kind of onboard a new 15-year lease. How do you think that the, the landlords and investors have been coping with that challenge, James? Well, it's a great question, particularly for me, because my role within the London offices business is to lead a new service that we've put together in order to enable landlords specifically with that, that challenge. So we are enabling landlords to capitalise on the growing demand for, spec, uh, for flex space by being their operating partner. Uh, and we've done that by partnering ourselves with a business called Worklife um, and launching together a joint venture called Yours, which is all about delivering what we call managed solutions. But they very much address that middle ground between serviced and co-working and conventional leasing. So this is all about delivering all the benefits of a serviced and co-working offer, but doing it on a single suite for a single tenant so that they have the benefits of having the ability to create a space that's very much their own and to create their own brand and identity in that space. Um, and the landlord obviously capitalises on the fact that we are taking on that operational burden that otherwise they'd have to bear themselves. One of the things that I've noticed is that the, you know, the the not only the jargon, but also the different types of flexible space that are available. So obviously you've got you've got the the your hybrid solution at the moment, which is um, fab. You've got the pure collab, as you said, Amanda. You know, joining up day by day. There's also plug and play suites. The conventional office is obviously still an option. Um, have you have you noticed a particular move towards one or the other, either kind of including or disregarding the, the pandemic? Do you have a feel for which is likely to be the most popular with occupiers, either of you? I do, I do think there is a huge increase over the last sort of six to 12 months in occupiers looking at a hybrid solution. Mm. especially for the larger businesses because they would probably still want to have their own space their own culture branding look and feel that you know that they want to implement into the workspace but they're also they could be fast-growing companies that cannot commit to a five to ten year contract mm. lease so for them to have a hybrid solution like a we call them managed offices 
which essentially you do have the flexibility for growth and term and flexibility of getting the fit out done for you to expect that, you know, works for your business. But at the same time, in the background, you have operators managing the entire space for you. So you can focus on your day-to-day business rather than, I don't know, thinking about buying light bulbs or getting someone for maintenance through. It's the little things, I think, you know, making it easy for a business to focus on what actually their core business is about is so important. And I think sometimes it gets overlooked. So I do think that's becoming more and more popular. Yeah, I mean, just just to add to that, I think what really characterizes the market as it was pre-COVID, but, you know, the trend that's really accelerated is that people have acknowledged that office space should not be provided as a one-size-fits-all solution um, in the way that it was when only conventional leasing and longer-term leases were, 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 the, 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 were commonplace. What the market has evolved to provide for is now something for businesses at every stage of their journey. So if you're uh, a one-man band, perhaps looking for your first co-founder, you might start up in a co-working environment. But when the business grows on a little bit more, you move into a private service office uh, facility. Beyond that, as you grow further and you want to um, focus less on absorbing all of those ideas and collaboration from outside your business, but rather focus on growing the business in, in, in what has now become an established proof of concept, then having your own space and being able to create that brand and identity in that space is really valuable. Mm. So that's really where managed offices has come to become, if you like, what many are regarding as probably possibly the most exciting growth area within the flex office arena. Yeah, and I think that actually sort of is the biggest challenge for occupiers. The the variety of choice that you get now in every category that you know James has just described is a huge amount of different types of spaces. And to occupiers, a lot of the times all they know is I want an office space, but there's 10 different types, and in each 10 different camps, there's another 50 different types. So how do they go about choosing an office? There's just just too much choice out there in London at the moment. So how have they been narrowing it down, Amanda? How do they make that choice? They they get agents to help them. So brokers Mm -hmm. and agents, you know, that's probably where we come in and help narrow it down for them. Because just on serviced offices alone, in London, you can probably have 60 to 70 different providers to choose from. Mm, yeah. All of them have their own USP, um, look and feel type of space. So it, immediately, that's that's our job to help clients with the whole narrowing down and, you know, half the things that for every single occupier, half the market they probably shouldn't even look at because it's not suit, suitable for their business for one reason or another. So I actually do think because it's quite a saturated market in London, um, flexible office space in general, occupiers do struggle um, mostly with the immense um, amount of choices that they've got to pick from. Mm. I wonder, obviously I'm conscious that both of you are mostly London focused, but if we if we will be seeing a trend towards more hub and spoke type 
um, offerings and if now that we are all used to working from home or indeed working from an extended holiday or you know you can pretty much at the moment work um, at your desk from anywhere in in the globe but if we if we look at UK do we think that over time some of the smaller cities will take up some of the lessons that London has learned and become slightly more flexible in the space that they offer on a regional basis as well? Uh, the, the short answer is is yes. Um, uh, and again, that was a trend that we were seeing even before uh, the advent of COVID. So yes, I completely agree. I think there is certainly a desire or rather an opportunity, I think, for businesses to consider uh, providing spaces that are closer to home for their employees. Some of us have the luxury of being able to work uh, in a uh, conducive environment from home, but others don't. And, and where the latter is the case, I think it's it's hugely valuable to be able to step into a workspace that doesn't require you to make the commute all the way into London or your nearest uh, major city centre, but rather to take space in a curated, uh, buzzy environment, but that has been provided by a, a flexible operator. The question is, and it's the challenge, I think, for many occupiers and businesses who are looking at how best to achieve that is when you talk about hub and spoke model, I mean, some, some businesses have looked at creating their own spokes and where should those spokes be? But the reality is that in most cases, occupiers are, uh, sorry, employees are scattered in multiple locations around city centres and therefore narrowing down to a specific area which makes sense to have a spoke is more challenging for the business to do themselves. Where the flex operators can pick up on some of that slack is that by providing a space which anybody can use that's close to their home, they can they can provide that conducive environment for, for, for many different businesses. Yeah, and that's exactly what um, we've seen as a rising trend as well when occupiers are looking for an office. Um, most of them are looking for a hub, middle of London, for example. But if they had, for example, let's say 50 people working in their business, they would probably take 15 to 20 desks as their hub um, just because not many people will actually come into the hub on a day-to-day -day basis. But request for, say, 50 access passes so that all of their staff have access to a service of the centre of that group um, anywhere across London that's easiest for the commute. So it's by enabling them to either not have to commute, walk to the local centre, or minimise their commute so that they don't have to get on the tubes, for example. I mean, that's something it's, it's interesting that you said. It's good to hear it from the person that's right at the, at the coalface with these occupiers, but it was certainly something that we thought about in our joint venture with WorkLife, which, which is called Yours. We offer that hub solution in a Yours office in a central location, but we leverage, we have the ability to leverage the existing spaces that WorkLife have in their co-working business so that any of those Yours uh, occupiers can drop into a work-life co-working centre, wherever that may be across London. Well, it's going to be interesting to to watch, um, you know, the, the future of how the office market evolves. There's been a, 
a huge catalyst for discussion and uh, a huge catalyst for change. One, perhaps to, to close, one thing that I'm conscious of is the, the challenges that traditional investors might face if this trend continues. Um, one being valuation. If, if we over time will move away from a position where it's almost a given that a large corporate will take a, a 15 year space, the, the challenges that come from, um, you know, the industry learning how to value flexible office solutions on an equivalent basis, the differences between measuring the um, quality of your assets by um, effectively customer satisfaction rather than purely rent roll and basically gearing up for the extra day-to-day asset management burdens that come or as you as you've said before having to partner with different people but I, I suspect that the traditional office isn't dead it's that it might be the case that we have core offices with the overflow upside and downside elements being dealt with through a flexible solution so I suppose an, an uber hybrid version of the current office model is that something that you think will happen over time James a, a bit of both long-term security for occupiers who want to put a stamp on their own space but with added on flex yeah absolutely and, and, and indeed in our sort of your space report of last year it was something that we we, we really picked up on was this um, growth in what we call the core and flex model which I think is exactly what you're describing mm. You, you, you picked up a little bit on the, the sort of challenges as with regard to, to valuation. Yeah. Um, and, and indeed, there's a perception among some investors that offering flex space um, in their buildings presents a challenge uh, in terms of how it will be viewed from a valuation perspective. Mm-hmm. I think what's going to really move that discussion forward at pace is the realisation that the conventional office solution on smaller spaces is becoming increasingly non-viable. And whilst you could point to a preference as an investor to have longer term leases, which better respond to the typical valuation methodologies, uh, ultimately the value of a building is driven by the fact that it is occupied and there are people paying rent. And I think as more and more landlords adapt to um, the growth in demand for flex and start to provide flexible solutions, the values will have to um, uh, catch up uh, and start to offer uh, valuation methodologies that better respect um, the, the underlying demand in the market. So we're looking at good news for occupiers with more, more sometimes too many amount of um, spaces available. Uh, investors to not lose heart on the basis that there there will always be a need for the office in some form um they might just need to um become a little bit more open-minded and flexible in terms of what that space may look like so plenty of homework for absolutely everybody that we could think of um thanks so much for your time both of you great to speak and i'm sure this will be a conversation that will be going on for many years to come thank you thanks very much Yvette good to chat You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at Trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.